Lesson number 58, Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 36 to 50. وَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ And worship Allah. وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا And do not associate with Him anything at all. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala command us? That O people, and notice the word wa'budu. The wa'u at the end, what does that indicate? Plural. So all people, all of us are being instructed that what should we do? We should all worship Allah. And what is ibadah? To be humble, to be submissive, to be obedient, to be respectful. So have such attitude towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Love Him. Sacrifice for Him. Live and die for Him. Why Him? Because He is the one who made you. And He is the one who made you for His worship. Therefore, wa'budullaha. Obey Him. Love Him. Adore Him. Fear Him. Whatever He tells you, accept it. Humbly, submissively. Do not be arrogant towards Him. Do not be disobedient to Him. And in the Arabic language, tariq mu'abbad. A path that is mu'abbad. is such a path that is submissive to those who walk upon it. A path that is submissive to those who walk upon it. Meaning, it is prepared for them, it is low, it is very easy for them to walk upon. It doesn't have huge rocks or boulders in the middle. No, it is paved. It is a well-paved path. So likewise, O people, Humble yourselves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do everything that Allah tells you to do. وَعْبُدُ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا And you must not associate anything with Him. What does shirk mean? Shirk is to associate a partner with Allah. It is to basically equate another with Allah in His exclusive rights. There are some rights that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. Only He deserves. And what are they? For example, the right to be worshipped. The right to be believed in as the creator, as the master, as the provider. Likewise, the names and attributes of Allah are exclusively His. You understand? So, لَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Do not equate any other with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His exclusive rights. Do not make anyone equal to Allah. Do not make any partner for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And notice the word shay'a. What does shay' mean? Thing. So shay'a, anything at all. Whether living or non-living. Prophet and ordinary human being. Whether an angel or a jinn. Nothing at all. No one at all. No matter how righteous a person is. No matter how pious he is. Still, Never prostrate to Him. Because who deserves to be prostrated before? Only Allah. Never make dua to other than Allah. Not a saint, not a righteous person, not a prophet. No. Make dua only to who? Allah. Because only He can listen, only He can respond. Only He can fulfill the needs of His servants. So, وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Do not associate anything at all. Why? Because shirk, is the greatest sin. Allah forgives other sins, lesser sins, but shirk is something that Allah does not forgive. It is the greatest injustice. And shirk is something that renders all of the good deeds of a person invalid, useless. Meaning it rejects, it nullifies all of the good deeds of a person. 
The Prophet ﷺ was told that لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ If you did shirk, all your deeds would be wasted. So this is the reason why worship Allah, but also stay away from shirk. Because there are many people who do worship Allah. But what's the problem? They also do shirk. They will pray salah, they will give sadaqah, they will give zakat. But when they go to Medina, they will stand by the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and they will make dua to him. They will ask him for help. This is what? Shirk. This is shirk. This is not acceptable. This is something that ruins all of the good deeds of a person. They are rejected by Allah. Because Allah is tayyib, He accepts that which is tayyib. He is pure and He accepts that which is pure. And if anyone mixes the intention of a deed, meaning he does it for Allah and he also does it for others, then such a deed Allah does not accept. He only accepts that which is pure. Because He alone gave you everything, so He wants that you worship Him alone. That's it. He gave you, so you worship Him. He protects you, so you ask Him. He provides for you, so you beg Him. He is the one who can recreate you, so you beg Him for forgiveness. He knows you inside out. No one else knows you inside out. Therefore, لا تشركوا به شيئا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا And with both the parents, do ihsan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's right is the greatest. Because He is the creator. He is the owner. And after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from among the creation, from among the people, whose right is the greatest? The parents of an individual. A person might say, but what about the Prophet sallallahu Aren't we supposed to love him more than our parents? What about his right? The thing is, that the right of the Prophet sallallahu in a way is included in the right of Allah. Because who has told us to believe in the Messenger wasallam? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who has told us to follow him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we believe in the Messenger, we are following the Messenger. In fact, who are we worshipping? Allah. Alright? And if a person refuses to believe in the Messenger, does not follow him, then who is he making unhappy? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? So this is the reason why after Allah, who is mentioned? The parents. And likewise, part of the right of Allah is what? That we believe in everything that He has informed us of. Whether it's the angels or the day of judgment. Alright? So, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا With both the parents, do ihsan. Why is the right of the parents the greatest? Meaning amongst all human beings, why is the right of the parents greatest? Why do you think so? You know, sometimes we don't get it. Like, what's the big deal? You know, we don't want to listen to our parents. They don't understand us. But for some reason in the Quran, in the Sunnah, this is what we learn all the time. My parents don't get me. I don't get my parents. I mean, we don't communicate well. But still, why has Allah obligated us to do ihsan? Because they are the reason for your existence. Isn't it so? Your mother gave birth to you. You are who you are because of the favors that your parents bestowed upon you. Because of the kindness that they showed you. You know how to eat because your mother taught you. You know how to tie your shoes because your father taught you. You know how to write because your parents spent many, many hours helping you, teaching you how to hold the pencil, how to write every letter. You've forgotten 
But they spent a lot of effort doing that. This is why, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Yes, other people are very important as well. But of all the people, the parents, they deserve the most ihsan from us. They are the reason for your success today. What if a person says, well, my parents, you know, they left me with some other people. I was raised by foster parents or I was raised in an orphanage. I've never known my father. He left me before even I was born. Or he's never been around. He's never been good to me. Then in that case, do the parents still deserve ihsan? Yes. Why? Just the fact that your mother gave birth to you is sufficient. Just the fact that she bore you for nine months in her body, carrying your weight, bearing the difficulties that your creation imposed on her, that is sufficient reason for you to do ihsan upon her. Okay, mother, understandable. What about the father? What difficulty did he go through? Okay, not much difficulty. But you know what? You are still his child. You take his name. You have his blood. Alright? There is a connection that Allah has made between you and your father. No matter what kind of a father he is. That's you know something that we don't want to argue about. But the fact that there is a relationship that Allah made between the two of you, this is the reason why you have to do ihsan upon him. You have to do ihsan upon him. وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Do ihsan with both the parents. And notice both the parents, the mother and the father. Because sometimes we're very good towards the mother. Why? Because we spend so much time with her. And our father, you know, he's always asking us about where we're spending the money. And he's always after our case. Or he's never around. So we're very distant from our father sometimes. But Allah says, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Both the parents, you have to do ihsan. And the parents, yes, it refers to the immediate parents of a person, the biological parents of a person. But by extension, it also applies to the grandparents of an individual. Whether your grandmother or grandfather, through your mother's side or through your father's side. Because unfortunately, in many cultures, few cultures that I'm familiar with, there is this hate that is instilled in children against who? Against the paternal grandparents. Especially the paternal grandmother. Why? Because the mother never got along with her. So she has instilled such hatred in the heart of the children that your grandmother, she used to do this and this and this. Your grandmother, she was like this and this and this. This is incorrect. If our way towards our parents leads our children to disobeying their grandparents, disrespecting them, this is our fault. We are teaching them disobedience. Today we are disrespecting the grandparents before the children. Tomorrow those same children will disrespect us. So it is necessary that ihsan is shown towards who? The parents as well as the grandparents. Because they are included in the parents of an individual. Like the in-laws of a person, the mother-in-law, the father-in-law, even they are like parents. Walid is basically one who gives birth to. So they have given birth to the father. They have given birth to the husband. So this is the reason why they must also be treated with ihsan. So وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا What is ihsan? Ihsan is basically to behave in such a way that the other person becomes happy. 
that you're so beautiful in your behavior that they become happy. Whether it is by smiling or it is by not arguing or it is by saying something that's nice or it is by when they're sad, you know, saying something nice to make them happy or that when they're aging and when they're picking faults in everything or they're complaining about little, little things, you just ignore and you don't make a big deal out of the fuss that they're creating. This is ihsan. You know, because when parents are young, physically able, they have the physical strength, their children are around, they are able to do whatever they want to, they have a lot of patience, they have a lot of courage. But as they age, as their bodies become weaker, as their children go their own way, then what happens? They become impatient, they become frustrated very quickly. Every time you speak to them, they complain. So at that time, what is important? that ihsan is showed towards them. Treat them with ihsan. Why? Why should you put up with such behavior? You know why? Because they put up with your behavior when you were younger. When you were younger and you cried, you had tantrums, you were fussy because you were teething or because you had diarrhea or because you ate something funny or when you were not eating, right? And when you got your shots or when you became sick, and you were throwing up everywhere, and you were making a mess everywhere, who put up with you? Your parents. When you scribbled on the walls, when you ruined the new carpet, when you broke the toys that they got you, when you ruined the clothes that they put on you, when you ruined your mother's clothes, your father's clothes, when you broke the dishes, right? when you threw the food all over the floor, tell me, it's an endless list. Who put up with you? Your parents put up with you. And you have to put up with their, you know, with the difficulties that you face from them when they're older. Think about it. Children, when they're younger, how many times do their parents kiss them in one day? How many times? How many times do they hold them, pick them up and hug them and kiss their feet and their toes and their fingers and their eyes and their nose and their cheeks and their chin and their head and their hair? Every part of the body, they kiss. And there you are as a teenager and you think hugging your mom is like the weirdest thing to do on earth. Hmm? Or giving her a kiss is like weird. Hmm? I'm not my mom's baby anymore. This is what we believe. Think about the amount of love they showed you. You have to show some love to them as well. When parents become older, sometimes they start losing their memory. Sometimes they don't understand things easily because how things have changed. Like for example, the technology we have today did not exist back then. And you know, for us, turning a computer on, opening your email, writing an email, writing something on Microsoft Word is something that's basics, right? And if your mom asks you, please help me. How did you turn the computer on? I don't remember. Okay, but can you show me how to turn Skype on? Okay, can you teach me how to do this? Like mom, I've showed you so many times. Why don't you get it? And we think it's a waste of our time if we have to fix their phone or teach them how to send a text message or teach them how to read a text message. But tell me, how many times did they have to show you how to put your shoes on? How many times? I have little children and believe me, sometimes I get frustrated. I'm like, how many times have I taught you how to put your shoes on? Do it yourself already. Three years old, come on, when am I going to get a break? Right? You have this feeling. But I still do it. And every time I do it, I end up giving him a kiss and a hug and teaching him and you know, giving him a smile and saying it's okay. Hopefully he will learn soon, no matter how frustrated I am. But I do it with love. 
This is the difference between parents and children. Whatever parents do, no matter how many times they do it with love, and children, no matter what they do, even if they do it just once or twice, they do it with dislike. They don't want to do it. That it's amazing how one woman will raise eight children, six children herself. But when she becomes older, it becomes so difficult for those six or eight children to look after that one mother. Right? Why? Because the parents, what they do, they do it with love. The children, what they do, they do it with the sense of like this is a burden. They don't want to do it. So it becomes difficult for them. Right? And mother, because of her love, parents, because of their love, they're able to do what they do with so much happiness, so quickly, without making it a big deal. So, وَبِلْ وَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانَ Think about all that they've done to you, you do some good to them as well. وَبِلْ وَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانَ Now remember, there are three kinds of attitudes towards parents. One is, إِسَاءَ To be bad towards the parents. That for example, yelling at them, scolding them, not listening to them, arguing with them, answering back to them, hurting their feelings. Okay, this is what? Bad treatment of the parents. When the parents need something, ignoring that need. You know that your parents need a reminder, but you don't remind them. You know that your parents need help, but you don't help them. This is what? Bad treatment of the parents. This is something that's not allowed. We're not allowed to do that. It's actually a sin to do this. To disobey the parents, to hurt them, to make them unhappy. You know, there was a man at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, who was in the state of mizar, meaning he was like dying. It was such a painful thing that he was going through the pangs of death, but like the soul was not leaving the body. So he was constantly in pain, in extreme agony. So the people brought the case to the Prophet ﷺ, asking him what's going on. So the Prophet ﷺ told them to ask the mother, that is she unhappy with the son? Is there something that he did? And she was very unhappy with her son. Because she was not happy with her son. Look at how he was dying. The Prophet ﷺ requested her to please forgive him. She said, no, I'm not going to. Because he's really made me upset. I cannot forgive him. He's really hurt my feelings. I cannot forgive him. So the Prophet ﷺ told the people, okay, collect wood, burn fire and do something. Let his soul leave. I mean, you can't just leave him in agony like that. So anyway... People did that and when the woman saw that this is going to happen to my son, then she's like, I forgive him, I forgive him. And then that son of hers died. This just shows to us that hurting the parents, disobeying them, is something that is not small. It is something that Allah does not like, He does not approve of. Because your parents have done a lot of ihsan upon you. And if you return that ihsan with disobedience and hurting them, then you're not a good person at all. There's a big problem. The second kind of behavior is ihsan, to be good towards the parents. And that's exactly what Allah commands us. Be good towards them. The third kind of behavior is that a person is neither bad nor good. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't disobey them, but he doesn't even obey them. He doesn't even do anything to make them happy. He's not yelling at them, arguing with them, but at the same time, he doesn't say good words to them. He's just cold and distant and far and away and indifferent. Let's say the parents live somewhere else, in another city, in another house, in another country, so he doesn't even talk to them. She doesn't even bother to send a nice message to them. Doesn't keep in touch. They have no idea what's going on in her life. She has no idea what's going on in their life. Neither good nor bad. Is this allowed? No. 
Even this is not allowed. Why? Because Allah tells us, do ihsan. And that means you have to do good. So for example, when we're with our parents, living in the same house, we can't wake up in the morning and go without greeting them and come back and do whatever we're doing without even greeting them. No. You can't do that. You have to greet them. You have to say something nice to them. You can't just be cold and quiet around them. If your mom tries to have a conversation with you, like, quiet, 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 nothing. No. You have to do ihsan. That there was a man at the time of the companions who brought his mom on his back, carrying her on his shoulders so that she could do hajj. And imagine, he walked around the Kaaba seven times, Tawaf, Sa'i, Mina, Muzdalifa, Arafa. It's such a tiring journey. He did everything. And where was his mother? Not in a wheelchair that he had to push. No, on his shoulders. So when the hajj was over, he went to a companion and he asked her, that have I done ihsan? Have I paid her back for whatever good she did to me? Are we equal now? And he said, no. You did what you did to pay her back. And she did what, what she did out of love for you. You're doing it as a burden. She did it as a responsibility. Out of love. Subhanallah. And this is very true. What goes around comes around. The way you treat your parents, the same way your children will treat you. She's talking about a woman who, when her daughter was getting married, she said to her that, you know, daughter, you should wear hijab, don't listen to music, whatever. And she's like, no, she didn't listen to her mother. So eventually people said to her, make dua, make dua. And she said that, you know, I did the same thing with my mother. She told me not to do certain things and I did them anyways. She told me to do certain things and I did not do them. I disobeyed my mom, today my daughter disobeys me. That man carried his mother in hajj on his shoulders, that is not even equal to the one, you know, labor pain that the mother endured in giving birth to the child. It's not even comparable, not equal in any way. So, وَبِلْ وَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Allah commands us to do ihsan towards the parents. What does it show to us? That Allah is more merciful towards a person than his own children are. Because Allah tells the children, you have to do ihsan in every way. No matter what the parents do, no matter what their situation is, you still have to do ihsan towards them. And you know what? On the other hand, Allah is more merciful towards a person than his own parents are. Because what did we learn earlier? Sometimes parents want to leave their children poor or without their wealth. But Allah says, no, I have appointed the shares. You have to give the money to the children. It is their right. So Allah is more merciful towards an individual than his own parents are. You know, sometimes parents don't forgive children. They don't get over the mistakes that children have made. And after all, they're children. Children make mistakes again and again. This is why they're called kids. This is why they're children. But if they've made a mistake, the parents never forgive them. On the other hand, no matter what mistake people make, when they ask Allah for forgiveness, what does Allah do? He forgives them. Even if it's shirk, when a person asks Allah for forgiveness, with sincerity, he does tawbah, Allah forgives him. Sometimes as parents, our wish is to make sure that our children know that we love them unconditionally. Right? That this is something that parents really want. This is why they're constantly rubbing it in. You know, I did this for you. I paid for your education and I did this. And you know, sometimes they're telling the child to assure the child, not necessarily to show the favor, but to assure the child that we love you. We want the best for you. And this is why in every little thing, I love you. I love you. But 
What is something that children need to be taught as well? That Allah loves you even more than I do. My son, you know this conversation that we have usually, that he says, Mama, I love you. I say, I love you more. And then he says, even more? I said, yeah, even more. And even more and more and more and more and more. And he goes on and more and more and more. And then yesterday I told him, and Allah loves you even more. So he was like shaken up that what does that mean? That Allah loves you even more than mama loves you. Inshallah, I hope he will understand that soon. So Allah loves people more than their parents do and more than their children do. He shows more ihsan towards them. So وَبِلْ وَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Ihsan towards the parents. وَبِذِ الْقُرْبَى And also towards who? ذِي الْقُرْبَى الْقُرْبَى from Qareeb. Qareeb is that which is near. So ذِي الْقُرْبَى is the person who possesses a relationship of closeness to you. Meaning who is close to you. Who is a relative to you. And there are different kinds of relatives. Some are closer to us than others. For example, your siblings are closer relatives to you compared to your cousins. Correct? So, وَبِذِ الْقُرْبَى Ihsan towards the relatives as well. Whether they are through blood or through marriage, Ihsan towards all the relatives. Now there are many relatives that a person has. So how should a person do Ihsan towards them? Everyone in the equally? No. The closer their relationship is, the more Ihsan will be showed towards them. So for example, your siblings and your cousins. Alright? Who deserves more Ihsan? Your siblings. So it's your obligation that you show more ihsan towards the siblings. It doesn't mean you don't show ihsan to your cousins at all. No, you show them as well. But obviously the level of ihsan towards the siblings will be more than that of, towards the cousins. So, ذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى And the orphans, plural of yatim. Show ihsan towards him, towards her. Why? Because her father has gone when she is still very young. Someone who will protect her, who will take care of her, who will teach her, instruct her, nurture her, look after her needs, provide for her. He's gone. So therefore, do ihsan towards them. Wal masakin, plural of miskin, someone who is needy, someone who has unfulfilled needs, whether it's a lot or a little. You know, whether it is someone needs help paying off their bills for the month, or it is someone who needs help paying off for their education, or it is someone who needs help paying for their groceries. Miskeen, help them, do ihsan towards them. Who else? Waljari dil qurba. Waljar. Aljar from the root letters jim wa Jar is basically neighbor. Who is jar? Neighbor. Who is the neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Someone who is living close to you. Someone who is existing nearby. Whether that means that their house is in the same street as yours. Alright? Or it means their house is in the same neighborhood as yours. Or it means that at work, your cubicle is next to theirs. Or that you work in the same floor, or you work in the same department. Yes. In a way, but it doesn't mean that other people deserve less ihsan. Yes, you are compelled to help the relatives before the other needy. Alright? For example, Aisha anha once she wished to give something away, and she was told to give to a relative. Why? Because she would get double reward. One for sila and the other for sadaqah. Right? One for maintaining ties of kinship and the other for charity. But this doesn't mean that we're only helping out our relatives and those who are nearby. And as a result of that, we ignore the rest of the people in the society. No, everyone we should contribute to. Everyone we should help out. 
Right? But when there is a choice between either this or that, then you choose the closest one. So al-jar is neighbor, and neighbor is who? Someone who is existing close to you. Alright? Whether that means in terms of the location of your house, or it means in terms of where you work, the people you work with, or it means someone whom you're sitting with in class. For example, there are some people who are your group members. You're in the same group, and other people are not in the same group. Some people you're sitting with in the same row. Other people you're not sitting with in the same row. You understand? Likewise, in the car, a person is sitting next to you. Alright? Likewise, when on the road, there are people who are driving close to you. Correct? In the bus, someone is close to you, sitting. Even though you don't know them, but who are they? Neighbor. Within the house, there's let's say four bedrooms. Alright? And your sister's bedroom is closer to your bedroom compared to your brother's bedroom. Alright? So, who is closer? The sister. Alright? So anyway, they are also neighbors. So al-jaw, the neighbor, do ihsan towards him or her. Which neighbor? Dil-qurba. The one that is a relative to you. Meaning, a neighbor who is especially your relative, do more ihsan towards him or her. So for example, you have relatives who live in the same street. You have a cousin who works in the same company. Alright? Likewise, your sister is driving with you in the car. You understand? So, al-jarid al-qurba, the neighbor who is a relative, show ihsan towards him. But doesn't mean that if there is a neighbor and you don't know them, they're from some other country, some other nationality, then you don't show ihsan towards them? You have to show ihsan towards them as well. Because Allah says, wal-jarid junubi And the neighbor that is distant, junub from jim noon ba, what is jump side? So junub meaning distant, the distant neighbor, distant in what sense? In the sense of relationship, that he's not related to you. If you're Pakistani, for example, and in your building there's some other Pakistani people, you will be extra nice towards them. Alright? And if there's someone who's from India, then even if they're Muslim, Indian, Indian. This is what people will do. Alright? Is this correct behavior? No way. Not at all. Or we ask people, where are you from? Which city? And they say, I'm from Karachi. You're like, oh, I'm from Karachi too. And there's a person from Lahore? Hmm. Right? Or we find out, I'm Maimon, they're Maimon too. Okay, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm Punjabi, they're Punjabi too. Yeah, yeah, of course. And someone who's non-Punjabi, we don't even know you. Oh, you were still here? Didn't even realize. So this should not be the attitude. Ihsan towards everyone. Whether they are close to you or not. Whether they are related to you or not. Neighbor. Someone who is in the same vicinity. Someone who is existing nearby. You better show some courtesy to them. You better smile at them. Greet them. Ask them how they're doing. In every situation, who are you benefiting? Yourself. You know, sadly, I have to say it's very sad. But it happens that wherever we go, whether it's a conference or a class... People sit with who? Those who are like them. People talk to who? Those who are like them. You know, for example, I'm Pakistani, so I'll be with Pakistanis. I'm Somali, so I'll be with Somalis. Who said? It's good. Yes, do ihsan towards them. But it doesn't mean you don't even look at people who are from a different background. This is incorrect. You have to show ihsan towards everyone. Tell me, if you ignore the person who is not like you, how can you even show ihsan? 
You can only do ihsan when you acknowledge their existence. If you don't even acknowledge them, you don't even smile at them, you don't even greet them, then how can you offer them the food that you're eating? How can you offer them help in the work that they're doing? You can't do that. That we have divided ourselves up. This is Arab, this is Pakistani, this is Somali, this is the, this is that. This is not correct. Allah tells us to do ihsan towards all the neighbors, whether they are related or they are not related. Dil qurba and also wal jaril junub. Wasahibi bil jambi and the companion by the side. Asahib. Who is sahib? A friend, a companion, suhba, sadhaba. Sahaba were called sahaba. Why? Because they were in the companionship of the Prophet ﷺ. They were his friends. They were around him. So the sahib, the partner, the friend, the companion, who is biljam by the side. You know your side. So the companion is right next to you. So for example, you are sitting in class right now. Look by your side. Is there somebody there? Is there somebody there? Yes. There is somebody there. So what do you have to do first of all? Acknowledge their existence, please. Look at them, smile at them. Realize that they are there. Okay? And now, how can you do ihsan? Now that you've broken the ice, how can you do ihsan? What is ihsan in this situation? Look at the other person. Do they have a juz? Do they have a Qur'an? They do. If they don't, then what should you do? Mm-hmm. My notes. I don't want her reading what I'm writing. I don't write that well anyways. It'll be so embarrassing that I've made grammatical mistakes or I've made spelling mistakes. I don't want them to read. Uh, hide my juz. Is this ihsan? Not at all. If they need to look at the Qur'an and you have the Qur'an, please let them see. Let them share. If they're on the wrong page, for God's sake, help them out. If they're sleeping, for God's sake, wake them up. Likewise, likewise, check how you're sitting. Sisters, check how you're sitting. Are you sitting in a way because of which the person sitting next to you is uncomfortable? Are your books all over the desk? Are your legs all over the place? Are your knees poking them? As you're writing, is your elbow knocking their pen over? Yeah? Okay. Because how can we do ihsan if the other person is suffering because of us? One more thing. I'm not going to ask you to do that right now. But please, next week when you come, check yourself. Does your abaya smell? Does your hijab smell? When did you last take a shower? Please. It's very difficult to sit next to a person who's smelling of sweat. It's very difficult to sit next to a person who's not tidy. Alright? So... This is also part of ihsan. So, وَالصَّاحِبِ بِالْجَمْ Doing ihsan towards the companion by the side. And the friend who is by the side, who is by you? The friend who is by you. You know, some friends, they are your friends, but they're not always with you. But when they're with you, then you need to do ihsan towards them. So, for example, you go to the cafeteria to buy food. And you're buying food. And your friend didn't bring money, or she didn't know there was lunch, or she forgot, whatever. Then what's your obligation that you sit with her, chat with her, and just munch your pizza away? As she stares at you. Yeah? And gobble down your pop. Alhamdulillah, we don't get pop here, but juice box. Yeah? Is that what we should do? What is ihsan? With the companion by the side. Share, offer, say something nice. So wasahibi bil jump. The Prophet ﷺ said, the best companions according to Allah are those who are the best with their friends. 
And the best neighbors according to Allah are the best with their neighbors. So which friends are the best? Those who are good to one another. Do you have any idea what's happening to your friends in their personal lives? Maybe they're hurt, maybe they're sick, maybe they're not feeling well, maybe something's going on. They need a smile, they need a hug, they need you to bring some food for them, they need you to help them with something. This is Ihsan, right? So show Ihsan towards friends. That sometimes out of uh, frankness, what do friends do? They will insult one another or call each other bad names and they'll have a good laugh. But you know what? They'll have a good laugh at that time, but in their heart they're very hurt. They're hurt. This is not Ihsan. Frankness does not mean rudeness. So Ihsan towards friends. And you see sometimes, we make friends, why? Because we are studying with them, or working with them, or traveling with them. So every day we have a good chat, we spend time together. But as soon as they go their way and you go your way, all of a sudden, no connection, nothing at all. Right? Or your connection is limited to them only to the thing that joins you. Like for example, a class that joins you, a work that joins you. This is why you're connected to them. Outside of that, you don't care about them. You don't care. But when you are somewhere and you don't know anybody, then you just walk up to them as if they're your best friend. And when you have your friends and you see that individual, it's as if they don't exist. Is this ihsan? Not at all. Don't use people. Be of benefit to them. Don't use your friends. Benefit your friends. Help your friends. If they're giving you company at some point, then it's your obligation that you give company to them at some point as well. They're helping you, you help them as well. So, وَالصَّاحِبِ بِالْجَمْ The best companions according to Allah are those who are the best with their friends. So be good to your friend. Do ihsan towards them. And you know with regards to the neighbor by the way, the neighbors have a lot of rights. A lot of rights. Jibreel, he constantly advised the Prophet ﷺ to be good to the neighbor to the point the Prophet ﷺ thought that perhaps the neighbor will be given a right of the inheritance. Can you imagine? The Prophet ﷺ said that when you're making soup, add more water so that you can share it with your neighbors. Because when you're barbecuing outside, you know what's happening? They're smelling it all. Isn't it? And when you're cooking your Asian food, yes, you can smell it down the street. You can smell it all across the hallway in the apartment building. Isn't that so? So the neighbors have a lot of rights. And that means that when you have something, when you're cooking something, and if you are on such terms, then you definitely give them. You definitely share with them. Because this is not right that you have food and you're eating and your neighbor is going to sleep hungry. Or that you have your car and you're driving around and your neighbor is walking all the way even in the wind and the cold and in the snow. Ihsan towards the neighbors. You know sometimes you may have neighbors who have just moved in or they are moving in. So at that time what should you do? Offer some help. Even if it means holding the elevator door open for them as their luggage is coming. They might not feel too comfortable if you start touching their things. But do something. If they've moved in, go and greet them and welcome them to the neighborhood. Right? Isn't that something we should do? Yes. Likewise, if they're working outside their house, let's say they're gardening or something, they're doing their grass, and here you are working in your front yard as well, then what should you do? If you go grab yourself a drink, 
grab a drink for them as well. They might be uncomfortable if you give them something in a glass. If you have some juice box or, you know, like a can of pop or something, you can offer that. Do you see what I mean? Packaged food, you could offer that. Ihsan towards the neighbor is also that when you are doing your grass, you also do your neighbor's grass, especially if it's just one strip. Like, really? How difficult is it going to be? You know, sometimes I see that people will do their front yard and their neighbors is just like literally one strip. They will have to pass the lawnmower maybe once or twice. But they don't do it. You know, one is that your neighbor doesn't want you to. They have made it clear. Okay? But the other is that you see that they're extremely busy. They have young children or it's an older couple. They need help. So why won't you? Likewise, if you're doing the snow, you will do your part of the walkway, of the sidewalk. Also do theirs. Especially if you're at it, why not? I'm not saying go shovel their entire their driveway, but at least the sidewalk part, right? You can do that. And especially when you see that someone is in need, then what is necessary? That you must do ihsan towards them. And doing evil, hurting the neighbors, is far worse than hurting an ordinary person. Theft committed in a neighbor's house is ten times worse than theft committed elsewhere. Stealing from somewhere else. So the neighbor has a lot of rights. So does the friend. Then, who else? Wabnis Sabili and the traveler. Why is the traveler called the son of the way? Because he's on the way. Alright? This is just like the birds that live at sea, they're called Ibnul Ma, The son of the water. Why? Because they're constantly either flying over the water or they're fishing in the water or something or the other, right? So Ibn Sabil, the traveler, do ihsan towards him as well. And who else? وَمَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ And that which your right hands possess. What does that refer to? The slaves, meaning the people whom you own, the slaves, do ihsan towards them as well. What is ihsan? The Prophet ﷺ said, the slave has a right to have food, clothing, and to only be required to perform what he can bear of work. Ask him to do that work which he's actually capable of doing. Don't force upon him something he cannot do. He can physically not do. And this teaches us a lesson. That if there are people who are working under us, don't impose so much work on them that they cannot do, that they cannot perform. Don't overburden them. Alright? Don't overburden them. And مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ also includes the animals that a person owns. Because it's that which your hands possess. Okay, so it's not just the slaves, but also, you know, if a person owns cattle, or livestock, or fish, okay, or a bird, or a rabbit, or a cat, okay, then what is necessary? That ihsan is shown towards them as well. You know, when it comes to slaughtering animals, how should they be slaughtered? With a sharp knife. Why? So that they're slaughtered quickly, it is less painful for them. When the knife is being sharpened, it should not be sharpened in front of them because it will scare them. If you own an animal, a pet, then don't confine it in the house so that it cannot find anything to eat. But if it's in the house because of a reason, because it's freezing cold outside, or it doesn't know how to survive outside, like for example, if you get a parrot and you let it out over here, you say, no, 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 it should not be in a cage, let it out, free. Set it free, what's going to happen the next moment? Hmm? It's gone. Very soon either it's going to be killed by a predator or because it doesn't know how to defend itself or it will not be able to fly or it will die because it doesn't know how to find food. Alright? So, ihsan towards animals that a person owns as well. Sometimes people own 
let's say kittens. Okay? And they don't protect the kittens from their children. And what do the children do? They will pull the tail and they will hurt the kitten. And because of that, those cats, they grow up terrified of human beings, of people, of children. They're abused. Is this ihsan? Not at all. Give them their food on time. Right? Provide them the space that they need. For example, if you have a fish, please don't just confine it to a small bowl. I mean, that's zulm. Sometimes you see fish in literally a cup. Don't do that. Give her some space. Some space. How would you feel if you were locked in a walk-in closet? How would you feel if that was the entire space that you were provided to exist in, never to come out? It's not fair. Yes, your needs are being fulfilled. You're being given food. There's air. There's oxygen. Maybe there's sunlight as well. But come on. You need some space as well. So provide some space. I'm not saying let it down the drain. Okay? But... Get a more spacious bowl or tank or something like that. Ihsan towards the animals. In Allah, indeed Allah, la yuhibbu, he does not love. Man kana mukhtal and fakhura. The one who is mukhtal and fakhur. Allah does not love such people. Who is mukhtal? Mukhtal is from khayalam, from the word khayl. What does khayl mean? A horse. How does a horse walk? With his neck held up high. You understand? When it comes to a cow or a goat, right? How is their head? Subdued. But a horse, upright. Okay? Ikhtiyal, ikhtiyal is to think of oneself as very great. That when a person thinks that, yeah, I'm the best. You know, I'm the boss. I'm the best. I'm the best. Okay? But he's not actually the best. And that's the reality. No matter who claims I'm the best. Are they the best? No, they're not. That yesterday we learned about nushus and the darb and everything. But what do we learn in this ayah about ihsan? Arrogance is something that Allah does not like. If a person thinks too high of himself or herself and because of that she disobeys her husband and does not give any importance to him, this is what? Ikhtiyah, that she thinks I'm the best, I am better than him. But in fact she's not the best. Alright? And ikhtiyah is the internal state of a person where he believes that yes, I am the best. And when he believes such, then what will happen? It will manifest in the way he walks. It will manifest in the way he talks. It will manifest in the way he deals with other people, in the way he behaves, in the way he drives, in the way she walks, in the way she looks at others. Isn't that so? So, muhtal, the one who is proud in his behavior, in his attitude, Allah does not like such a person who thinks he's too great. Allah does not like him. Fakhur from fakhr, fakhara, fakhar is such clay which when it is dry, if you touch it, it will make a sound. Like when you knock it, it will make a sound. Like the potter's clay. Okay? When it's dry, when you've made something of mud, then what will happen? If you knock it, if you touch it, what will happen? You will hear a loud sound. So fakhur is a person whom you just have to touch a little bit. And there he starts talking about himself. On and on and on and on and on until you're like, you know what? Quiet. You just ask them that, uh, I heard you got engaged. MashaAllah, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I got engaged. And you know, this person and he has this and my father-in-law does this and my mother-in-law is this and they live over here. And yeah, I got this ring and I got another ring as well. And I was wearing this, you know, which had those crystals on my dress and on and on. And you're like, you know what? Be quiet. Fakhur. 
Allah does not like such arrogant people. So Fakhur is who? Someone who is proud in the way that he speaks. So basically, Mukhtal is in fi'l, in hay'ah, in attitude, and Fakhur is in words. The kind of things that a person says about himself. Now, one is that you mention good things that you have, that Allah has given you, something good that you've enjoyed. Why? To express the favor of Allah upon you. Alright? And the other is that you talk about what you have to show off. I'm the best. This is not correct. So Allah does not like such people. Why? Because someone who is mukhtar and vakhur, does he do ihsan on others? No. He doesn't do ihsan on others. He thinks he's the best. He deserves all the respect. Why should he have to respect his parents? He thinks he is better. Why should he have to treat nicely his siblings or his cousins or his relatives? He thinks he is the best. So why should he even look at his neighbor? He says, oh, I drive this car. My neighbor has his old car. Right? Or my house looks nicer. Look at the way my grass is. Look at my flowers. And my neighbor, he's got weeds all over the place. Mukhtal and fakhur. So such a person cannot do ihsan on others. A person thinks, oh, my hijab is, you know, done so perfectly. And look at this girl. She doesn't even know how to wear hijab. If a person thinks like this about the person sitting next to them, oh my God, look at how they're writing. How old are they? Oh my, look at the color they're using. Look at the kind of notes they're making. They're not writing anything. They're going to fail so bad. Mukhtal al-Fakhur, such a person cannot help another. Such a person cannot do ihsan. And Allah does not love such people. So what do we learn in this ayah? That a good Muslim is not just the one who is good within the house, towards the spouse, towards the children, fulfilling his responsibility, his duty towards the spouse and the children, because the previous ayat are about the role of the men, the role of the women. So women become just concerned about their duty towards their husband and towards their children, and the husband becomes concerned about his duty towards his wife, and they have no idea what's happening in the family, they have no idea what state their parents in, they have no idea how their friends are doing, how their relatives are doing, how the neighbors are doing. No. A good Muslim is the one who is good within the house, and also outside of the house. Towards those he knows, and those who, whom he does not know. Whether they're people or animals. Ihsan towards all. Parents and relatives. Ihsan towards those who are easily oppressed and abused in the society. Living beautifully, peacefully with those who are close by. This is what makes a person a good person. And one who is not like this, who is mukhtal fakhur, then such people Allah does not like them. Let's listen to the recitation. وَاعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا وَبِذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى وَالْمَسَاكِينِ وَالْجَارِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْجَارِ الْجُنُبِ وَالصَّاحِبِ بِالْجَنْبِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ وَمَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ مَنْ كَانَ مُخْتَالًا فَخُورًا 